Muppet babies, they'll shit inside your shoes. We're back. Another episode, Greenberg at the Movies. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, go fuck yourself. But seriously, if this is your first time listening, we've been doing something fun. I had a list of my top favorite movies of all time that I put on my Facebook account back in 2018, July of 2018. And since we're coming up around five years since that post that I made, I figured why don't we take a look back at this list and see if if something has changed. That's not the whole premise of this podcast. This podcast could go anywhere. You know, I want to talk about all sorts of things, but this is what we're focusing on the last couple of weeks while doing this. So I divided it into different categories. We've done action movies, sports movies, comedies, and now we're up to what could be my favorite genre, and that is the sci-fi fantasy realm. So top five science fiction fantasy movies. And this is just my opinion. So if my opinion is different than yours, it is what it is. That's what makes this world so great. If everybody had the same thoughts, we'd be in communist China. Now, this is going to be a bit weird because I divided this into several different categories and I didn't want to repeat anything on the list. So if an action movie has science fiction elements, but I classified it as an action movie, it cannot be on this science fiction fantasy list. So it was kind of bizarre. Like, where do I draw the line? Is something more science fiction than action? So something like RoboCop, which is my favorite action movie of all time, has a lot of science fiction elements, but I just classified it as an action movie. Same thing with Predator. But Predator certainly a science fiction movie. Same thing with Aliens. Some movies that didn't make the list of my top five greatest science fiction movies of all time. I did not have The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. I did not have The Thing with Kurt Russell. And one movie that a lot of people love and uh, wasn't actually well received when it was initially released. I actually think it's overrated, but I, I, I do like it. And that is Blade Runner. Visually, though... That might be the most beautiful-looking movie of all time. Some other science fiction movies just off the top of my head that I love that didn't crack the top five. Planet Planet of the Apes, that original Planet of the Apes, I believe from 1968. What a twist ending. I don't think there's any better, you know, twist to a finale, you know, to a movie. Before we get to my list, I did want to see... You know, uh, if there was any lists out there on the internet talking about science fiction films, because maybe some of these movies I'm just not thinking of. Uh, So I I did go to Rotten Tomatoes. Not that they're the be-all, end-all, but they had an editorial talking about the 150 must-see science fiction movies of all time. Now, we're not going to go through all 150 of them, but I will go through the top 15 just to see if there's anything out there that, uh, you know, sparks my mind. And I'm just going through the whole list right now so iron giants on there you know as i scroll down total recall uh the martian gravity some some uh classics though are way too low on this list i mean they have et at number 32 the fuck is wrong with them jurassic park they have at number 28 how is that possible and then let's crack to the top 15 so they got the terminator at 15 
Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, which is a great movie. I love that movie, but I mean, how is that a better movie than E.T. or Jurassic Park? Aliens, they have at 13. Empire Strikes Back, they have at 12. The Thing, directed by John Carpenter, number 11. Number 10, Mad Max Fury Road, which I love. I love Mad Max Fury Road, but I mean, what are we judging this on? What is the what is the criteria for this list? I mean, this movie's so new. It's only eight years old. Where something like The Empire Strikes Back is is something that stood the test of time. As much as I love Mad Max Fury Road, it's not going to have the staying power like An Empire Strikes Back. Number nine is Alien. Number eight is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Number seven is Inception, which I think is so overrated. I really, I really think Christopher Nolan is a very overrated director. Number six, The Matrix. Number five, Star Wars, A New Hope. Number four, Metropolis. Number three, Blade Runner. Number two, Back to the Future. And number one, a movie that I think is, again, overrated, so boring. Maybe I just don't get the message. 2001, A Space Odyssey. So enough about these people's opinions. Let's go to my list that I had back in 2018 when I created my top five science fiction fantasy movies. So at number five, I did have The Empire Strikes Back. This is my favorite of the Star Wars franchise, and it ain't even close. I do love Return of the Jedi, but there's a lot of elements to Return of the Jedi that are just no good. They neutered my boy Han Solo. This was the coolest character in those first two Star Wars movies. Then he becomes like a cuck in Return of the Jedi. He's he's like whiny and complaining and like, oh, are you gonna fall in love with Luke? That's not what Han Solo would do. What the fuck is wrong with the writing in that movie? And then the whole Ewoks, which I actually don't mind the Ewoks. I know they get a lot of hate. But it's just such a drastic difference in tone in this movie. You have the really good stuff with the Emperor and Vader and Luke, which is really dark and mature. And then you head to the moon of Endor, and it's just this completely different film. It's like they didn't have anything for Han and Leia to do. They're pretty much just standing outside of a door for the last 45 minutes of that movie. But Empire Strikes Back, everyone is written to perfection. The introduction of Yoda, who is my favorite character in the Star Wars universe. There's not really that much action in the middle section of this movie. What I love is the lore. I love, you know, the the deeper meaning of the Force and the learning to confront yourself and... Just a lot of really heavy stuff in this movie. But when there is the action, it's great. You know, that whole battle at Hoth, super cool, pun intended. But that climactic battle at the end with Vader and Luke. I just love the way that film is shot. You know, a lot of it's in the dark and then all you just see is the bright lightsabers going at it. And of course, we talked about the twist in Planet of the Apes. Right up there with that twist is obviously the Darth Vader being the father of Luke Skywalker. There's 
a handful of movies that I would pretty much do anything to have seen in theaters for the first time when they were released. And right up there, probably in the number one spot, would be Empire Strikes Back. A tremendous movie, which I just wish they were able to continue that momentum. Because when you're left off with that movie, you're just so wanting to see the conclusion to this trilogy. And they just didn't nail it. But I do have Empire at number five for my science fiction fantasy list. Number four on my list, I have Back to the Future, which is another perfect movie. I think all these movies are actually perfect. I can't find any flaws in them. From everything, I'm talking about from the poster to the teaser trailer to the music to the casting. It blends so many different genres because you don't just have science fiction. I mean, Back to the Future can be in so many different categories. You know, it's a comedy for sure. Science fiction. It's got the romance. It's two different decades that you, you know, associate with this movie. Because you think of the 80s when the movie came out, 1985. But then also you got those 50s scenes. So, you know, anybody growing up in the 50s, I think, would have had a blast traveling back to that decade and reliving it you know maybe watching this movie with their kids in the 80s and saying hey this is you know just like when I went to high school this is a generational film this is a film that that is timeless it's it's really fitting but it it truly is timeless I don't think you necessarily need to have grown up in either of those decades to enjoy it because it's just a good story I think the thing that holds this film together is the character of George McFly, played by Crispin Glover. And this is a reason why the sequels are nowhere near as good. Because just like Empire, which is very fitting, a lot of these movies, four of these movies on this list actually, are part of franchises. But the ones that I picked are far and above beyond the best in the franchise. And just like Han and Leia had nothing to do in Return of the Jedi. I actually got to meet Leah Thompson, who plays Lorraine in the Back to the Future series. And I asked her the question about Crispin Glover not being in the sequels. And she mentioned how that really made her character have nothing to do. And it's true, because what, what do they have her doing in those sequels? Nothing. But if you had Crispin Glover still in that role of George McFly, I think they would have written her character and George completely different and could have changed the way the films Back to the Future 2 and 3 were made. And I like both of those movies. I, I do think that 3 gets crapped on way too much, and I also think that 2 is praised way too much. There's a lot of bad things in that movie. Back to the Future, the original, though, is perfection. The music, not just the score by Alan Silvestri, the actual musical choices that are used in the background, whether it's the 50s doo-wop scenes or Huey Lewis in the news, Back to the Future is a masterpiece. And I know it gets a lot of love, and it's well-deserved. Back to the Future comes in at number four, my list of science fiction movies. Now, just looking at the list as is, is Back to the Future better than Empire Strikes Back? I grew up with Empire. I didn't really get into Back to the Future till I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade, where I was watching Empire when I was five years old, you know, kindergarten, first grade. 
I've definitely seen Empire more as well. They just have a completely different vibe to them. It really depends on the mood that you're in. You know, if you want to have a fun time, you're going to want to watch Back to the Future. If you want to watch something that's a little more heavier, there's that word again. Is something wrong with the gravitational pull in your timeline? That's a line from Back to the Future. I might have butchered it, but it's generally the, the same line. It really depends on the mood. I have no issue with Back to the Future being above Empire Strikes Back. And if I look to my left, I have a poster of Back to the Future. And right next to it is a poster of Empire Strikes Back. So it is very fitting that actually four posters. I have four framed posters in my bedroom. And four of them are of the movies that are on this list. The other one, which is actually my number one movie... I don't have a poster of in the bedroom, but I do have one leading up to the stairs. The ladies love that. You know, you're making love to someone, and they like to look over to the left and just see, you know, Darth Vader. That really gets them in the mood. All right, so number three on my list is Ghostbusters. And I'm thinking, how is Ghostbusters 3? It's, it's in my top ten favorite movies, but this list is just so deep. And like Back to the Future... Everything with this movie is perfection. I think it's one of the coolest posters of all time. It's so simple. Just that no ghost symbol. Modern movie posters stink. There's way too much going on. But the simplicity of a Jurassic Park poster or a Ghostbusters poster or the Batman 1989 poster. That's what I love. It, it makes you intrigued. Like, what is this about? I really don't know. Like, I kind of know, but I want to know more. Look at, like, the, the first Avengers poster that came out. Just a, just a complete mess. Horrible. Modern movie posters, for the most part, are horrendous. If you want to look up some cool movie posters, look up the guy Drew Struzan. He drew so many great posters. Back to the Future is one of them. Uh, first Blood is another great Drew Struzan piece. He's done, uh, you know, hundreds of amazing movie posters. But back to Ghostbusters, could have been in different genres. I didn't have a horror genre when I made this list, but certainly it could be a horror movie. Comedy, for sure. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. Everyone in the cast is perfectly cast, and it could have been completely different. Originally, it was going to be Eddie Murphy and John Belushi. Then Belushi passed away, and they, they you know had to recast everyone. I would love to see an alternate reality where Belushi and Eddie Murphy, you know, were Ghostbusters. That would be interesting. Maybe if they did, like, a, a comic book version of that. They, they like to redo some of these films in uh, comic book form. Like, they did a sequel, basically, to uh, Batman Returns. So they had a Tim Burton follow-up for, like, what his Batman 3 would have been. So maybe, maybe some comic book writer out there could create a Ghostbusters with Belushi. But... His spirit was in this movie because the people on the set like to think that Slimer, the character of Slimer in Ghostbusters, is the ghost of John Belushi. The amount of, like, quotable lines in all five of these movies are off the charts. But Ghostbusters, I think, is the top when it comes to my everyday life. I'm consistently quoting this movie. And again, you know, unfortunately, just like Back to the Future 2 and 3 and, you know, Return of the Jedi and all the Star Wars films after that, Ghostbusters just couldn't really follow up with another film that's 
equal to what we got in that original. I do like Ghostbusters 2. There's a lot of funny stuff in that movie. A lot of things I wish they did more of, but it is... It still has a soft spot in my heart, for sure. What I really love with the Ghostbusters franchise, though, is the action figures and the the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. That was great. They should have done more things with that franchise in the last, you know, 25 years. Because nobody really talks about that toy line or that cartoon nearly enough. You go to any of these stores, you know, a Target or a Hot Topic or Spencer's, and there's all these merchandise for Ghostbusters to this day. But there's really nothing for that real Ghostbusters cartoon. It's one of those 80s cartoons, because as much as I love the 80s and I love the 80s cartoons, your G.I. Joe's, Transformers, uh, you know, He-Man, all that stuff, they're pretty much half-hour toy commercials. That's what they are. If you go back and watch them, there's really not much depth or, or good writing. And I love them. I'm not saying I don't like them. I love the Transformers. It's one of my favorite cartoons ever. But a lot of the episodes are stupid. Whereas the real Ghostbusters cartoon, it's a very smart show. It's written really well. I've gone back. They have all the episodes or a bunch of the episodes on YouTube through the uh, official Ghostbusters channel. And it's animated tremendously and just some really smart writing. Not, you know, equal to the movie, but close to it. Some of it's some really high-level shit we're talking about here. So, Ghostbusters, again, I don't need to go over every element that makes it so great, but I'm just looking at my poster right now, and I'm looking at the cast and everyone involved. So, the late, great Ivan Reitman, brilliant comedic director, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Rick Moranis is so funny in this movie. A lot of his stuff, for the most part, was improvised. And, you know, who was originally going to play that character of Lewis Tully was going to be John Candy. But he was doing something weird with the character. I don't think he wanted the role. He was doing it all in, like, a German accent. But again, an alternate reality of John Candy in Ghostbusters would be amazing. The music's tremendous. I mean, everybody thinks of the Ray Parker Jr. theme song, the Ghostbusters, but there's some really other great tracks in this. Cleaning Up This Town is a great one, but the Elmer Bernstein score, like the film score that's used throughout the movie, is great. It's charming. You know, this is pre-CGI, so all the effects are done through miniatures or green screens or, you know, just different techniques that, that you had to make these science fiction movies in. And the 80s is just so charming for me. 1980s sci-fi, nothing beats that. I love seeing the behind the scenes of the characters like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. They had this guy in the costume and they created this replica of New York City. It's so awesome. And you will never get anything like that in a modern movie. I mean, maybe something... Uh, a lower budget type of movie might try and do something like that without CGI. But as far as a mainstream, you know, number one highest grossing movie of the year, which Ghostbusters was, you're not going to get that sort of charm with the special effects. It's a bygone era, and I really miss it. Ghostbusters is a must-watch every Halloween season for me, and that's why I have it at number three. Number two on my list is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Steven Spielberg is the master at directing children. 
he understands how to make them act well. And that's what a director's job is. Look at somebody like George Lucas, his contemporary. Horrendous at it. What he did with that episode one film with Jake Lloyd, he should be in prison for because it is some of the worst shit ever put on screen. But what Spielberg did with Drew Barrymore and Henry Thomas and E.T., perfection. The character of E.T. is one of my favorite characters ever. He's right up there, I think, with Rocky Balboa in my top two. Like It's E.T., Yoda, and Rocky, I think, are my three favorite characters in any movie. E.T., I don't know really how to describe him. He, he's, he's like many different things. He's sort of like a dog. He's like a lost dog. But then, you know, he, he's sort of like Yoda as well. Like, he's this mythical, uh, mystical type of creature that can manipulate. He sort of has the force. I mean, imagine Yoda and E.T. meeting up. Well, they sort of do in E.T. Because that iconic scene when the family goes trick-or-treating and E.T. is, you know, in that ghost costume and he sees... Uh, a young child dressed up as Yoda and he starts going nuts He's like home 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 maybe there is a world because in episode one the Phantom Menace there is a scene with a, a bunch of characters that look like E.T. in the background but that movie's horrendous and I don't like to think of that movie so let's move on back to E.T. a competent film John Williams score I think this is his best work Spielberg doing the brilliant decision of having this movie shot in chronological order so by the time spoiler alert you think E.T.'s dying the kids you know Gertie played by Drew Barrymore she's like legitimately upset she's formed this emotional attachment to this puppet and that is such a smart move by Spielberg I think the character being a puppet like we talked about earlier with with some of these other movies uh you know this would all be done in cgi all this stuff would be uh, a character uh not there actually on screen it would be a dude in a suit with a green costume and little white balls all attached to him and how would a character or or rather an actress like drew barrymore how would she be able to emotionally connect with that creature she wouldn't because it's not real. But in her mind, E.T. was real. If you look at the special effects of the 80s, and I know we talked about this a few moments ago, but there's just such charm to it. And it's also just visually beautiful. I mean, look at the eyes of E.T. I love those creature effects. So many great creature effects in so many movies. Look at the Ninja Turtles from the 1990 movie. Look at Dark Crystal. Look at these creatures, man. This is some high-level stuff that really holds up. Look at CGI from 20 years ago. It does not hold up. Try and watch Attack of the Clones. I don't want anyone to watch that movie because it's a terrible movie, but just watch like the last 20 minutes of that movie and see how poorly that CGI looks. Then go back and watch E.T., which is twice the age of that movie. And it holds up. There's something to practical effects that I wish we could somewhat get back to. 
The last 15 minutes of E.T., in my opinion, is the best ending to any movie. It's it, Along with Field of Dreams. I think Field of Dreams and E.T. have the best finale to any movie. Edge of my seat. Goosebumps. Just shields. You, you're put on this emotional journey. You think E.T.'s dead. He comes back alive. They go on a chase. You think they're caught. They fly away. And then they have to say goodbye. It's so emotional. And I just think everyone should watch this movie. Out of all the movies on this list, I think it's the one that kids can watch, old folks can watch, and uh, people my age certainly grew up with it, love it. And the sad thing is, it doesn't get the love that it deserves, in my opinion. Now, it was the highest grossing movie of all time, but I just want to go back to the modern era again. E.T.'s not talked about nearly enough. You go to any of those stores that I mentioned earlier, you go to your Hot Topics, you go to your Target, you go to any of these, you know, GameStops, whatever, you're going to see merchandise for Back to the Future, for Empire Strikes Back, for Ghostbusters. You go to a JCPenney, you're not going to find a t-shirt for E.T. And maybe that's because Spielberg didn't make any sequels to it. All those other movies, every movie on this list is a franchise besides E.T. And... I think that makes it special. If they made a sequel, it would have taken away from it. And it, there were there was going to be a sequel. They were working on a sequel. And the script was horrendous from all accounts. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm so happy they didn't. Now, they did do a commercial a few years ago during the Christmas time. I forget what it was for. It's for like an Alexa or something. I don't know what it was. But they got Henry Thomas back to play... Elliot, and they got an actual animatronic E.T., and it was sweet. It was a nice little, it was like an extended commercial on YouTube. They had like a five-minute commercial of E.T. returning home and meeting Elliot and his family, which was sweet. It was sweet to see, but then you're looking at it like, this is a fucking commercial. This is like everything it shouldn't be. They're literally selling an item, just like those cartoons we were talking about. But I, I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy watching it. But I don't want them to make another one. We don't need E.T. coming back meeting 50-year-old Drew Barrymore. We just don't. Let it lie. But the fact that it has lied and there was no cartoon and there was no... There was a video game and it pretty much ruined video games for the next three or four years. The E.T. Atari game caused the video game crash of 1983. Part of the reason why. There's a whole lot to that. Maybe we'll get to some video game discussion on another program. But yeah, I think because E.T. didn't try and do what these other films did and, and make sequels and prequels and comics and, and, you know, they did have merchandise. I'm not saying they didn't have merchandise, but it wasn't to the extent of these other ones. So I think E.T. doesn't really get talked about. If you talk to any, like, 15, 16, 17-year-old, they might not even know what the hell E.T. is. Which is a damn shame. But it is number two on my list. Now, do I alter the list as of yet? Again, it really depends on the mood. E.T. puts you on such a different journey than any of these movies. I don't cry from any of the other four movies. We will get to number one in a moment. But I don't cry at any of those movies. E.T., I'm emotionally drained when I watch it. It really depends on the mood. But right now, I have no issue with E.T. being above any of these. I like the list as is. Number one on my list is another Spielberg movie. This was the Star Wars of my generation. 
and that is Jurassic Park. I was so excited for this movie. I saw it when I was four and a half years old. Should a four and a half year old have seen this movie? Eh, probably not. But I did see it in theaters. And I've seen every Jurassic film in theaters. I do like the sequel. I like The Lost World. A lot of people crap on it, but that is one of my favorite movies. And that might lose me some credibility, you know, with anybody that's listening, but I thoroughly enjoy Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World. It's a very dark movie. There's some awesome visuals in that movie, but we're going to focus on the original film. I remember being so excited. I stayed home from school one day, and I saw a news broadcast talking about Jurassic Park. Might have been on, like, Entertainment Today or Access or whatever show was on in 1993. But I remember just seeing this five, ten-minute piece talking about this film, and I was like, oh, I need to see this movie. Every kid loves dinosaurs growing up, right? If you're a young boy and don't like dinosaurs, you need to get some therapy because you just like to, you need to like cars, you need to like dinosaurs, and you need to like superheroes. That's pretty much like the holy trinity when it comes to being a a four to five year old boy, right? So I was so excited to see this movie and so was the world. And so were a lot of directors. A lot of people wanted to get the rights to this movie. It's based on the book by Michael Crichton. Uh, There was a huge bidding war. Again, the alternate reality I'd love to see is James Cameron take on this role of director for Jurassic Park because he was in contention to buy the rights. He has gone on the record and said that nobody could have done it quite like Steven Spielberg, but the book is very dark. I haven't read the book, but I have listened to a bunch of people talk about the book. And it's a very dark and twisted book. And they didn't take a lot of those elements, you know, for this theatrical release. But if James Cameron did it, if he did it in the style of something like Alien, something darker, because there's a lot of death and morbid and gross imagery in this book, Cameron would have been fantastic for this. If they did a darker tone, it wouldn't have made nearly the money. But... I would like to see an alternate reality where James Cameron does a more faithful adaptation of Jurassic Park. That's what I would like to see with this franchise because they have gone completely stupid with the sequels. But if they did do something more on par with the book, maybe just a shot-for-shot sort of remake of the book, that's pretty much the only thing I'd like to see with this franchise moving forward. Or even a origin story. You know, the creation of the original park. Those are the only two things I want to see moving forward with the Jurassic franchise. That original movie was a juggernaut. It surpassed E.T. to become the highest grossing movie of all time. And again, just from the teaser trailer to the poster to John Williams' score to Spielberg's direction of the kids to Stan Winston's animatronics to the iconic and just groundbreaking CGI by Industrial Light and Magic, to the casting of Goldblum and Sam Neill and Samuel Jackson, and you got Newman, Wayne Knight, you know, from Seinfeld's in there. It's dark. It's twisted. It's funny. It's got heart. It's it's everything that Spielberg does with movies sort of wrapped into one because you got the... You got the horror elements and the twisted stuff, sort of like what he did with Jaws, right? Then you have the wonder, the sense of wonder. You know, when they're looking at the friendly dinosaurs, you get that sort of vibe of E.T. Like, oh, look at this majestic type of creature. 
you get the the brilliant child directing which he's been doing you know movies like empire of the sun and and uh close encounters of the third kind and hook so it's just blending all these things that spielberg has perfected for you know the 20 plus years he was directing all coming together to make an absolute masterpiece which is why i do have jurassic park as my number one sci-fi movie i don't think any of this would change i'm really happy with this list but these are like five of my top 15 favorite movies of all time which is why the sci-fi fantasy genre holds such a special place in my heart because these movies again all of them are timeless all of them are must watches and uh yeah i think that's a pretty good list empire strikes back at number five number four back to the future number three ghostbusters number two et the extraterrestrial and number one favorite science fiction movie is jurassic park all right that's gonna do it for this edition of greenberg at the movies thank you everybody for listening we'll be back i don't know when we'll be back though back to the future all right i gotta go